Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined alongside my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Weston, welcome to Draft Week. It's oh, here. thank God. It's here, my man. We made it. All we right. made it. It's like surviving the desert, right? <laughs> like you got to the other side of it, and you start to see that mirage or that, that waterfall at the end of it. And you're just like, man. Something of substance to talk about. Again, yes. we're not going over all the scenarios of, well, if the Packers move back or move up or, or trade their pick until, you know, next year. <sighs> no, finally, all the talking stops. We get some action. It is here. We're going to focus this show on the draft. A, a, as big an overall overview draft preview as we can give you here in the time allowed on Packers Unscripted. I'm just going to dive right in here on offense, Wes. You look at where the Packers are on offense. To me, and this is where I'm talking, you know, the the upper picks the Packers have. The Packers have four picks in the top 75 of this draft. 12 at 30 in the first round, 44 in the second round, 75 in the third round. So we're talking Thursday and Friday's picks as they stand right now. When I look at where the Packers are on offense, I think the potential of those high picks using those high picks maybe falls more likely at offensive line and or tight end than perhaps any of the other positions. Now, of course, we know anything can happen. That's kind of the way I see this right now shaping up. What do you think? Well, I I just think, you know, and again, we know nothing. We 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 condition that with everything we say. But I I do think there's a lot of big people that are available here in the first round that could really make Brian Gutekunst and his scouts think. So whether that's offensive line or defensive line, I think there's a lot of talent there that they're going to have to consider. To me, it comes down to three questions in terms of looking at specifically at the number 12 position. One, how many quarterbacks go before then? Yep. Maybe it's only one. We'll see. What happens with Montez Sweat after some of the medicals and where he's going to fall? In two, or three, I should say, is how many skill position players are we going to see get on a run here? Is it just going to be TJ Hawkinson? Is there someone else, you know, a DK Metcalf, somebody else that that some team wants to potentially explore? Do you want to get one of the top guys at those positions? Once all that shuffles out, I think you're going to see what that board looks like for the Green Bay Packers. To me, though, I I think it's offensive line. I think it's defensive line. I think the value is there at 12. And then potentially the position you don't address, maybe it's there for you at 30. Yeah, The interesting thing here when you're talking the offensive skill positions, everyone knows the two tight ends from Iowa, TJ Hawkins and Noah Fant, being talked about as first-round picks. But there's a lot of talk that maybe only one wide receiver is going to go in the first round, talking Metcalf from from Ole Miss, and then uh, a very good chance there won't be any running backs taken in the first round. So it's it's an unusual draft in the way that that is shaping up. But Unusual, too, it. in the standpoint that no cornerbacks probably are going to go in the top 20 either unless somebody wants yeah. to go up and get Greedy Williams. So in terms of looking at these past few years, yeah. different in that regard where the skill position players, the burners, aren't really uh, high on that board. Yeah, and that's where I think I'm with you, Wes, in that if you look at offense and defense, the prospects in the defensive front seven, whether you're talking defensive line, whether you're talking edge rushers, even those couple of off-the-ball linebackers, the two Devons, as I like right. to say, Devin White, yeah. Devin Bush from LSU and Michigan, respectively. You look at defensive front seven picks and then the depth of these offensive line picks, particularly the tackles, of course, those first-round those first type guys. It just looks to me like there's going to be a, a pick of the litter, so to speak, at 12 if Brian Gutekunst decides to stay at 12 as opposed to move around. Now, he may move around as well. Looking specifically at offensive line, sure. though, the other thing that intrigues me 
is that say you look at five guys who are being talked about here, the kind of the top five, there are three of them, and I'm talking about Jonah Williams, Dalton Reisner, and Cody Ford. Three of them are being talked about as potential guard or tackle. Right. You know, not just being being pigeonholed, so to speak, strictly as a tackle. Those guard tackle type of guys can, could be really, really interesting for the Packers and, and their their potential interest level. It's a great point you raise here because if you look back at the Ted Thompson and now Brian Gutekunst era, their mo hasn't been to draft an offensive lineman early in the on in these drafts and move them to guard. They've liked to take those late round guys, sometimes undrafted guys like Lane Taylor, who are tried and true guards, and then let them settle into those positions. Now, that's not to say they won't always do it. They did it with J.C. Treader in the fourth round out of Cornell, taking him as a tackle, moving him to center. But it would be interesting if they would potentially this year make that decision that, okay, well, we just like this guy as a prototype. We like him as a guy that could fit our scheme, and then we'll let all the other stuff figure it out later on. Another player, too, while he doesn't fit into your uh, definition there of that versatility, Andre Dillard, uh, who was a teammate of Cole Madison at Washington right, State, right. another guy that could potentially be in that 12 spot. The number one thing, and we've discussed this earlier in the offseason, that, that I take away from the 2018 season is to steal a phrase from Vic Ketchman, you need to get some more jars on the shelf there. The yeah. Packers have a veteran deep offensive line, but we've seen in three of the last four years how injuries can really wither away that depth. I think you need to get a guy that can play both of those spots. You need to get another guy to develop there because they've had a lot of success at that position. The question for Brian Gutekunst and his scouts now is whether or not any of these four or five guys that could potentially be there at both 12 and 30 could be you know prospects that could fit that vision. Yeah, and Brian Gutekunst went out in free agency and signed Billy Turner, a guy who is also a guard tackle. They didn't necessarily say this is the position that this guy is going to play. So I think all of that makes the uh, the offensive line prospects at the top of this draft interesting. Um, and one ahead. more thing to consider, yeah. too. There was a time long ago, people don't remember about this, but in 2013 when Brian Bulaga tore his ACL at family night, David Bakhtiari was just starting to crack the lineup at right tackle. Things can change quickly. Yep. You need to adjust, and you want to find some players that can help you do so over the course of a long season. Yeah. Looking at some other spots on offense, um, if you don't get one of the top tight ends, one of those two Iowa guys in the first round, you don't really know how that's going to yep. fall. But this this draft has this draft has a handful of tight ends that are definitely going to be in play, whether you're talking middle of the second round, middle of the third round, middle of the fourth round, where the Packers have two picks in the middle of the fourth round at 114 and 118. So a total of six picks in the first four rounds. You know, I don't have all the names off the top of my head, but whether you're talking Irv Smith from Alabama, Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M, um, some other um, other Smith other prospects, yeah, Stanford. Um, the Stanford Stanford tight end, another West Coast guy. There are some there are some ways here that uh, even if those Iowa tight ends go mm -hmm. off the board, that the Packers can potentially address and maybe find that tight end of the future even if they don't find them on Thursday night. It's a really fun draft for tight ends, and we have not been able to say that every year. It almost seems like for the last maybe three or four years, you and I have been talking about the dearth of tight end prospects, at least up in these draft classes. Hawkinson and Fant are, are just, for both of them to be coming out of the same program is insane. They both have entirely different skill sets, and they both look like they're going to be stars in this league. 
And it's really interesting, though, where these picks line up because you don't know if Hawkinson would be there at 12, especially with some of these questions on the other top 10 guys. Maybe a team just wants to go with the, the surefire plug-and-play tight end. Wouldn't fault them at all for that. But at the same time, the, the, the combine that Fant had, it's not a given that he's going to be there at 30 for the right. Packers. Right. So this is where I think Irv Smith Jr., it's very interesting for him in this draft class because – some people have him in the early second round, maybe even the late first round, middle second round. I really think his value in this draft is going to be determined by how early those Iowa kids go because Smith, in a lot of years, Mike, would be the top prospect at that position. That's exactly what I was going to say. In a different year, Irv yeah. Smith from Alabama might be the top tight end everyone's talking about. He has about. NFL bloodlines. Yep. His father played in this league. He's coming out of a good program, and he has a really good build. I mean, it isn't the 6'5", 250 that a guy like Hawkinson is, but very talented. Sternberger, obviously out of Texas A&M, will be interesting to follow too. And then another guy I think is really intriguing is Kahale Warning. I'm going to mess up his first name again, Waring, uh, from San Diego State. This is a guy that was kind of a late convert to that position, but a big-bodied guy that you might be able to have in the, the second day of the draft, maybe into the third round. Just a lot of different guys that are going to make NFL teams, including the Packers, really consider that board. Yeah, and a couple of potential sleepers at tight end that we've done prospect primers on. Uh, Josh Oliver from San yep. Jose State. And, uh, shoot, the other one is escaping me right now. Dawson um, Knox. Yes, Knox yep. from from uh, um, Ole Miss. From Ole Miss, yeah, the Mississippi tight end. He's actually – I. I should correct myself. Maybe his primer hasn't been on the website yet, but I know we I do did a lot one, of them. I did one on him, and if it's not <laughs> up, it's going up this week before the draft. But those are another couple of yeah. when you're talking, you know, mid, mid to even possibly late round guys, depending on how this falls at tight end. The other skill positions here on offense, Wes, I want to touch on before we shift gears completely to the defensive side: running back and wide receiver. We all know the Packers drafted three wide receivers last year. All three of those guys will be back now learning a new offensive system with Matt LaFleur, a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, new offensive coordinator coming in. At running back, we know the Packers have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think there are a couple of things that the Packers might specifically target at those positions, not necessarily very high in the draft, but I'm wondering if they can find a running back who maybe is one of these really cat-quick, speedy guys that just creates a matchup issue uh, in certain situations for a defensive coordinator. And then at wide receiver, do you want to go out and find that prototypical slot receiver who can step in for Randall Cobb, or do you just want to add to your stable and then see, based on the guys that you have, if somebody emerges as the slot receiver? Right. Your thoughts on maybe which way the Packers go there? Well, first I want to start off with the running backs because it's very interesting the situation the Packers find themselves in because for all intents and purposes, they have two really solid options there in, in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Yep. But as I believe, if, if correct me if I'm wrong on this, and, and if I am, I'll be the first one to admit it, but I believe it was Matt LaFleur that was talking about it this offseason, how you need to have three options there just because of how the season plays out. You saw it last year for him and with the Titans and even to some extent here in Green Bay. So in that regard, there are a lot of interesting prospects. David Montgomery probably fits that mold that you were talking about as a guy that can pretty much do it all. Packers also have number 88 available if they want to go that direction with another oh know, boy. kind of slash player playing 88 that has the last name of Montgomery. Never okay. know. Uh, Devin Singletary is a guy that I really like coming out of FAU. Yeah, Singletary is one who, who's who's interesting to me. I looked at some stuff yeah. on him for a prospect primer and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot 
lot to be intrigued with there. But, but Daryl Henderson, I mean, Elijah Holyfield, a very famous name as well there. Bryce Love, Benny Snell. I just think that over the course of this three days, we're going to be really going to find out what Brian Gutekunst thinks about this class and how potentially those guys could maybe help complement Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams. Wouldn't surprise me either if the Packers don't even draft anybody, but I just think if they do take somebody at that position, it's going to be a player they really, really, really like. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think a draft pick at running back is going to tell us a lot potentially about what exactly is the skill set that Matt LaFleur is looking for in his offense. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. With regards to wide receiver, okay, we know Devontae Adams is your number one. Geronimo Allison will be coming off of an injury, but I would have to say is the front runner for the number two wide receiver spot at this point. You've got the three draft picks from last year, Valdez Scantling, Jamon Moore, EQ St. Brown. You have Jake Kumaro in the mix. You have Alan Lazard, a late season pickup in the mix. One thing I, I guess we'll have to see to me, the Packers have, you know, have some depth there at wide receiver already going in. It's almost as though, if there is that difference-making, playmaking type of wide receiver who's there at a good value in a certain spot, I could see the Packers maybe taking a receiver with, with one of those picks on the first couple of days. But otherwise, I'm just not sure if you if you pick somebody just to add another wide receiver to the mix. I don't know. To me, it's like whether you're talking that specific slot receiver guy or you're gonna or you're gonna go up top to draft a guy you think is the bona fide number two right. to go with Devontae Adams. I just don't know if you're gonna do much in the middle ground with everything that you already did last year in the draft at the position. It's just my gut feeling. Here's the thing that's very different from the Brian Gutekunst era from when we were with Ted Thompson here in Green Bay. The Thompson really diversified the receivers a lot. Uh, when you had Donald Driver, then you had Greg Jennings, then you had Randall Cobb. Right. You also had your Jordy Nelsons of the world, too. But for the most part, they had guys that could do a lot of things and pretty much fit into that uh, anywhere from 5'10", 5'11", to 6'2", 6'3", range. Now they got a boatload of really tall receivers. Yeah. Traditionally, that hasn't been the prototype for a slot player. But I think one of the things they've really stressed here the last couple of years is being multiple at that position, not having a guy that you just pinpoint as your slot guy and then you, you go about your business. So the thing I'm looking for is, yeah, I don't, I'm not expecting a Hakeem Butler. I'm not expecting you know one of these big, tall targets to come in. But do you look at one of those 5'10 guys? Do you look at one of those? Because there's several of them in that 5'10 to 6-foot range mm-hmm. that would fit the more traditional slot role. But and you don't need to do use necessarily a top 100 pick right. to get one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I you look that at, was my point. Yeah, I mean, you look at the way that this goes out. You wrote about Hunter Renfro already from Clemson. But, I mean, then you got, uh, what is it here? I was just looking. Um, yeah, I mean, Penny Hart from Georgia State is 5'8". I mean, you got a bunch of guys in that six-foot range. I mean, even early on, Marquise uh, Brown is 5'9", 6'8", yeah, 166 out of Oklahoma. So. That is going to be, much like we were talking about with the running back position, seeing exactly what they do at receiver I think is also going to be a real telltale sign of how they view the receiver position and what it's going to look like in terms of their assignments going into 2019. Yeah, all right. Well, I want to take care of some sponsor business, and then we'll get back to talking defense. The Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise-canceling technology of Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2. Learn more at www.bose.com Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at Homer here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all. And that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. 
Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, getting back to the defensive side of things, looking at some of those top picks the Packers have. Again, to rattle them off for you, 12, 30, 44, and 75 are your picks on Thursday and Friday in the first three rounds, if Gutekunst stays put, which we know is no guarantee. Absolutely. But I think the point you brought up at the beginning of the show is really interesting when you look at the front seven and how this draft could fall at the top. Montez Sweat, and what, with uh, the type of athletic ability and what he did at Mississippi State and where he was being talked about a month or two ago or coming out of the combine, to now all of this, the, the, the medical issue that we're hearing with regards to something about an enlarged heart, and I don't want to get into all the medical without knowing exactly what's being talked about, but what we're hearing is that some teams are taking him off their board entirely, supposedly, because of this medical issue. Uh, Teams are going to have different opinions on that, but when you're talking about a guy who was projected as a potential top 10, top 12 pick, and now all of a sudden nobody knows where he's going to go, that's a you know that's the old wrench thrown into the system here when you're trying to figure out who's going to be there at 12, and we don't know what the Packers are thinking with regards to Sweat or if they like other players better. Well, and the other thing was too. I mean, coming off of Sweat's combine, I just wrote him off that he's not going to be there at 12. I didn't think so either. And if he's not there at 12, that means that some other team took him, which means another player falls to the Packers. So Correct. How that domino effect you know plays out, we're going to find out on Thursday night. But I love this draft for defensive players. I mean, Quinn and Williams is. Being and looked at as potentially a once-in-a-generation type player. Devin White's probably my favorite player in this year's draft. I just think he's athletic and versatile. He's uh, He and, might be mine as well. And he's coming out of Dave Aranda's system. Yep. Uh, I, I'm not saying there's just... You know, pinpoint parallels between what Aranda does and what you know Mike Pettin does, but I just I really like what he brings to the table as an every down player. Ed Oliver was running really hot. Now there's been some questions about him, but still uh, a real good talent. Rashawn Gary is a phenomenal interview. I mean, I find his story fascinating, uh, his goals in life and what he wants to achieve, and just seeing exactly who's going to be there. Uh, again, it's just going to depend on the dominoes here. But you know, Bosa's going to go. You know, Josh Allen's going to go. You know, Williams is going to go. Figuring it out from there, I mean, it's it's kind of just a, a toss-up, but I mean, there's just so much talent that uh, I think is really going to make teams consider them. Yeah, you look at you look at three guys from the in the uh, defensive front seven from Clemson. You yeah. got Dexter Lawrence and and uh, Cleland Farrell. Yep. And the other defensive lineman, um, his name's escaping me at the moment. He's yeah, Christian Wilkins. Wilkins, yeah. Who I believe um, is the kid that graduated in like two and a half years or whatever. Yeah, was, and he's else. probably, he, he could be the one who's drafted the first out of those three. But, yeah. ju- but just the Clemson defensive lo- alone is giving you that. At inside linebacker, you mentioned Devin White. The other Devin is Devin Bush from Michigan. Everything that I'm seeing and reading indicates that there's a, there's a significant drop-off at inside linebacker after those two to kind of everybody else that's in the draft so that's another thing that's interesting to me now the Packers obviously have Blake Martinez as a key communicator signal caller and and tackle machine so to speak in this Mike Pettin defense you spent a third round pick on Oren Burks last year you're looking for that second year jump from him but you just wonder if one of those Devons is there at number 12 with as big of a drop-off as they're saying there is at that position in this draft. You wonder if uh, – um, now, I don't think Devin White is going to be there. I think no. maybe the question yeah, is, whether Devin, is whether Devin Bush would be there. You wonder if Brian Gutekunst, uh, you know, makes that move right there. But, again, he's going to be leaving some other, uh, you know – 
defensive front uh, or edge rusher type players still on the board. That's the thing, right? I yeah. mean, you obviously only have one peg to fill the hole. So, I mean, figuring out what you want to do with it is always interesting. Uh, but then you look at what Roquan Smith did last year for Chicago and shoring up Vic Fangio's defense being yep. a top 10 pick early on and the top inside linebacker on the board. I think both of those guys are going to be really good NFL football players, every down players built for defenses in 2019. Um, but again, it depends on what the Packers want to do. They feel good about Blake Martinez, but we also know that mantra of you can never have good enough football players. They had to use a safety at that other inside linebacker position for the most of last season. You know, do one of those two guys make you consider going back to a more traditional player in that role? Yeah, and when you look at the safety position, if there is a position on defense even after free agency yeah. with, you know, signing the two Smiths at outside linebacker, signing Adrian Amos at safety, there's still basically a wide-open starting spot on this Mike Pettin yeah. defense at safety right now. I don't see the Packers using the 12th pick at safety, but certainly there are going to be some options there at number 30. A couple of guys that we've talked about, uh, Thornhill from Virginia is yeah. an interesting prospect as a guy who has played some corner, has a lot of cover skills, intercepted, I believe, six passes last year as a center fielder 13, I think, in his for, the, for the Cavaliers. So a lot of uh, um, a, a, a wide-ranging skill set there. And then, of course, the uh, the descendant, so to speak, of the Packers Hall of Famer Herb Adderley. I'm talking about Nasir Adderley now, if I have it correct from the story I wrote from the Combine. It's Nasir's grandfather, who is a cousin of Herb. Yes. But Nasir and Herb have known each other. They've, they connected during high school, and they've known each other for a while now. So he's well aware of the of the bloodlines and everything and, and that name and what it means in terms of, you know, a pro football Hall of Famer and the family and the Green Bay Packers and whatnot. Really interesting prospect from Delaware that, uh, you know, the Packers might consider at 30 or at 44 or something like that, uh, you know, on Thursday or Friday. And Adderley is a phenomenal football name to have. <laughs> Obviously, his his cousin, don't get me into figuring out the trees of all that. I don't never have understood that second cousin once removed or whatever. But the thing I love most about him, though, who does, in my opinion, maybe you disagree, who does he really remind you of? To me, it's Nick Collins. Yeah, I just you look at where he came from, his humble beginnings, yep. the as small far as football, and the small school pedigree, and and all just that. played out of his mind at that level. Uh, ball hawking pedigree, a smart football player that seems seems to have a good natural fit for the position. Whether it's Green Bay or otherwise, I think they're getting a good player in Adderley. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, also uh, some other talented guys in this. Taylor Rapp uh, from Washington, a former teammate, I believe, of uh, Kevin King over there, uh, coming out of DBU. Uh, was sort of an under-the-radar prospect, became a really solid football player for them. So, yeah, a lot of talented safeties and a lot of guys that you consider going with Amos back there. Yeah, all right. Well, I think we could talk about this draft preview stuff till uh, till the cows come home. You got something And else? I'm going to. Okay. There's one more guy I want to talk about because we didn't get to it. It was okay. the number one name on everybody's tongue after the combine. Do you remember who that was? Brian Burns. Coming out, you look Florida at the, State. the edge rushing position. Yep. I swear to you, Mike, after his combine, I had every Packer fan on Twitter saying, go get that guy. <laughs> he could potentially be in the cards there as well. Yep. But it's going to depend on what they want to do after signing these other outside linebackers. I just want to leave that on the table. You yep. can never have enough edge rushers. And Burns really increased his stock over the last couple months. Yeah, he did. He's a guy who is, who is, being, who is being talked about now as a top 15 guy when a couple months ago that wasn't necessarily Yeah, he put case. himself in a great position, put on good health, weight a really good football player has seems like he has zone tendencies to be able to do some dropping 
I just think he's going to be he's going to help somebody out in this draft and could potentially be another player the Packers have to consider at 12. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll do one more show this week before the draft on Thursday night, but for now we're going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us if you're a podcast listener on iTunes. Like us there as well if you don't mind. You can follow him on Twitter at Wes Hod. I am at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.